0: Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith. I'm Mike Slater. Thanks to Peter. Friendly reminder that the transcript of this and every episode is on mikeslater.locals.com. So if you're interested in that, you can check out that website, mikeslater.locals.com. Today's episode is about the month of June. Get ready for Pride Month. You already, you already see it everywhere. Ford trucks, Adidas. It's only the middle of May. This is like uh, going to Home Depot in October and seeing Christmas decorations. Like, wait a second. It's not even Thanksgiving. We're not even in June. And we're getting inundated with pride everything. It's not just June. It's all year. I feel there's always something. There's always, it's it's like Transgender Awareness Day or something. They've taken over every day in the calendar. We don't need to go over and bud light. Right now, But it's amazing. Their sales are now down 26%. We're on like week five or six. That's the longest sustained conservative boycott I've ever seen. The Los Angeles Dodgers got in a bit of trouble the other day. So they've had a pride night for 10 years. But 10 years ago, it was just a couple gay guys. Now the entire alphabet train is jumping (laughs) jumping in on pride night it's the l's the g's the b's the t's and the q's so the q's started coming out and the q's are a very different deal than the g's so there's this group called the uh, sisters of perpetual indulgence and they are a group that mocks the catholic church If I were to describe them in their, in in the best light that they would like to be described as, this is a group of men who dress in very elaborate drag to bring awareness against the guilt that is uh, caused by the Catholic church for who you are. And they started in the eighties during AIDS when the church abandoned gay people who had AIDS. So this group was created to, to uh, help the people who needed help. That's the best description. Uh, A worse description, or not not as charitable, I'll say, you decide which is more accurate, is that this is a group of heathens blaspheming the church with not just drag, but their open attack on Christianity entirely. So they're going to honor all these LGBTQ groups. And then the the Catholic church said, we don't want you honoring this one group. And the Dodgers said, okay, you guys are uninvited. (laughs) So now it's turned into a whole thing. And the other gay organizations have backed out in solidarity, and it's just, uh, it's a mess. But this is what happens, right? And it's the Dodgers' fault. When they started Pride Night 10 years ago, it was 2013, a lot's changed in 10 short years. That was before the Gay Marriage Supreme Court decision. That was in 2015. So gays still couldn't get married. Now the gays have nothing left to fight for, but the train has gotten bigger, The alphabet train's gotten bigger. Now there's the Q's. So the Dodgers still have their pride night, which was originally the G's and the L's, but now it's the G's, L's, B's, T's, and Q's, and the pluses, and the Q's and the pluses aren't messing around. By definition, their queerness never ends. They will always, and must always, because their entire identity is based on pushing boundaries. And the Dodgers are in a real pickle because if you say no to the Q's and the, and the pluses and the D's, <laughs> like, you, you, you can't. You can't be like, all right, G's, L's, and B's, whatever you are. even You guys are allowed in, but no T's or Q's. You guys are too weird. Can't do that. And the Dodgers don't even know it yet, but in just a couple of years, three years maybe, they're going to have the P's, the minor attracted persons, the pedophiles. Right now, they're in the pluses right now. They're kind of hidden down there, but they'll come out. What are you going to say? They're wrong. You can say it's wrong to be a minor attracted person. How could you? I just think what the Dodgers are going through right now is such a, what what they brought upon themselves is such a nice metaphor for our entire country right now. When you have no lines, (laughs) you can't then start to draw lines. Well, I, I take that back. Actually, there is a line. The line is anything outside of this country, every brand in the month of June is going to have a uh, rainbow logo. They take their logo and they uh, make make it rainbow. Every company except for their divisions in the Middle East. So Mercedes is going to have a rainbow Mercedes logo, but not Mercedes Dubai. So they know how to draw lines, just not anywhere in America. And don't even get me started on Target. Target is unreal. And they've been doing this for a couple of years. A lot of people are just discovering it now because it gets worse every year. But the front of a Target, the, the display right there is this huge pride thing. And now they're really leaning into the, the transgender kids. So they're selling the girls' bathing suits now have extra area in the crotch to help little boys tuck. It's like, it's like insane in Target. But it's insane in our country. In 2012... of Americans said they were gay. 35 Now it's over 7%. But that's because what percentage of Gen Z do you think says they're gay? Gen Z is 19 to 26-year-olds. What percent of Gen Z? 20%. (laughs) 20%. That's crazy. That's insane. But not surprising. This is what happens when you just have a concerted PR effort of sexual deviants to young people at a younger and younger age. Why do the drag queens not want to read at nursing homes? Have you ever wondered that? Why are the drag queens not uh, going to read to the old people? Hmm. Why do they want to read to the kids? And this won't stop. Years ago, it was pre-kids, so it was at least six years ago. I went to the San Diego Pride Parade, and uh, we did a couple things. First is we had a couple quotes against gay marriage, and we said, which bigot said it? And we had a couple choices of Republicans. And uh, it was either Hillary or Obama who said each of the quotes. So uh, that was the trick But then we also asked people, what percentage of Americans do you think are gay? And they were like, 40%, 60%. percent like, what are you out of your mind? It's four. But they're getting closer. <laughs> they're getting closer. So what's really going on here? What's at the root of this? Well, it's not hard to figure this one out. They literally call their entire movement Pride. It's called, <laughs> it's called Pride. That alone is quite astounding if you think about it. So let's explain a couple of things. So one thing we need to know about the LGBTQ movement is that in our modern world today, you are defined not only by your desires, that's your identity or your desires, but not only your desires, your sexual desires. So way back in the day, and Carl Truman does an amazing job of explaining this. He says way back in the day, if someone asked you your identity, you would say, well, I'm uh, Mike, son of David, my dad over there, um, from here. That's where I was born. This is, uh, where I'll live forever. My dad's a blacksmith, so I'll be a blacksmith. And uh, I'll probably marry that girl over there because there's not many people here. And, and I'll go to that church that's been there for a thousand years. Your identity was the external things in your life. You defined yourself by external things. And then of course you defined yourself by your your virtuous, righteous, proper behavior. But then we internalized our identity. Now it's all about how I feel. Then you throw in the sexual revolution that says the most important desires that you feel are your sexual desires. And then you throw in a bunch of perversions after that. So now here we are in America where uh, a (laughs) six-year-old can say, I am gay. Even if they never had any homosexual interaction in any way whatsoever, I am gay. It's an identity statement. That's an important thing about this whole thing that a lot of people miss. It's an identity statement. I am. So if let's say a baker denies to bake a cake for a gay couple's wedding ceremony. It's not just this baker denying this couple food. It's denying their very existence. This is why you get trans activists who say trans people exist. And we're like, I mean, yeah, I know you exist. I just don't want you to go in my daughter's locker room. Oh, you're denying my existence. (laughs) Like what? But that's what that is. Because their identity is that deeply rooted in their sexual desires. It's never been that way. It's very new. There's a term called emotivism. It's this idea that because we threw truth out the window, there's no such thing as truth. Who are you to say? We need to come up with another way to determine who's right and wrong. So it's all about who can perform and express the most emotion. Let me give you an example of this. This is a state senator in Nebraska. Nebraska just uh, lowered their abortion laws to 12 weeks and also passed some, you know, you can't do sex change operations on kids and no puberty blockers, stuff like that. So there's a bunch of trans activists and allies in the, the Capitol building in Lincoln, Nebraska, right? So this is a democratic state representative. Mr. President, trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. That's what they're saying out there. They're standing in a circle in the rotunda saying that over and over again. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. Just gonna skip ahead here. To like, let's go a minute in. People, trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans. people go one forty-five. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. You matter. You matter. And I am fighting for you. And I will not stop. I will not stop today. I will not stop tomorrow. You are loved. You matter, you belong here. So it's quite obvious there that there was no argument. (laughs) It's not an argument there, but she was very emotional. So the activists and the allies, they love it. They think that's great. They there's, oh, it's beautiful. It was moving. It was stunning. It was fierce. It was brave. It was all right. It's like, well, you didn't, you didn't make an argument but they don't care. Not interested in logic or anything. So that is uh, emotivism right there. Why is she right? Well, she's the most emotional about it. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At US Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore, air to ground cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. That's not how we should behave. <laughs> That's not how we should think. That's not what we should value in America. Kevin DeYoung wrote a nice article uh, giving some graduation advice, some very Opposite of the world. All people ever hear is follow your dreams, march to the beat of your own drummer, be true to yourself. He said, I'd like to offer different advice. Do not follow your dreams, do not march to the beat of your own drummer. And whatever you do, do not be true to yourself. We see this attitude of being true to yourself. We see it all the time. I saw this clip the other day of the great Lila Rose. She was on. Uh, she's the head of a uh, live action, wonderful pro-life organization. She was on this podcast sitting next to, uh, how do you describe this guy? He's like an Andrew Tate, kind of like modern day macho man. I can do whatever I want and I can sleep with as many women as possible and all that. And that makes me a man, that kind of nonsense. So here's what she said to him and listen to how defensive he gets. And the only argument he can come back with is, I'm going to be me. Can I ask you one more question? Fire away, honey. Okay. <laughs> um, if you have only one place in your heart for one woman, or you want to have one woman in your heart, I think you said, why don't you just commit to one and choose to be faithful to her? I'm just not wired that way. I spent my whole twenties trying to fix myself. I thought you're a man you self-control. You, you work out. You do business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can possess your own your own power it's and do you not, direct just, it the way you want to direct it. Just not how I am. It's not how I am. I've you tried. think that might be a limited mindset? I think it's none of your business, but I don't want you to think I'm triggered by you. I'm not. I saw somebody say that, and I think that's interesting. I think you're annoying, but I'm not triggered. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? No, you are. You're annoying (laughs) in in like this goody two-shoes type way, and that's fine. Uh, I'm going to live my life on my terms, unapologetically, like truly. So uh, you can ask me this 85 different ways. At the end of the day, I'm going to walk out of here the same man. I also think of Elsa from Frozen, the Let It Go song. This author, Young he makes the point that it should be no surprise that Elsa in this movie is a favorite in the LGBTQ plus community. The song, uh, Let It Go, No Right, No Wrong, No Rules for Me, I'm Free. That is a nice anthem for it all. Let's lament this for a second. I just hate that we are so broken in our country that all of this is even such a thing. Isn't it a shame? I think of that scripture in Isaiah, woe to those. Ooh, always be careful. And woe, to the, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Because we're not even like, oh, uh, it's normal or it's nothing. It's, it's neutral or tolerate. time that that's like, oh, this is a good. You have to affirm the goodness of this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What a shame we're here. What a shame we have such a broken culture where this is even such an appealing thing. So many. I saw this interview the other day. This is with one of the directors of The Matrix. The Matrix was written directed by two brothers. Both of the brothers are now living as women. Isn't that amazing? They're both living as women. And listen to one of the guys talk about his experience as as a child. To be honest, like for me, the the. The People that I saw the first images that really struck a chord with me were, you know, uh, trans women and pornography. And um, there was something that um, unlocked in my brain that I saw these uh, wonderful, fearless performers um, becoming these, um, becoming desirable. And I, in my head, I could take the leap where I felt like, well, if I could be desirable, then maybe I could be loved. And for me, that's like one of the keys that trans people have to like struggle through. You know, will somebody love me? And that clip is so sad to me when he says, yeah, I want to be desirable, then I can be loved. And if only he was loved in a healthy way growing up. Well, one thing that's really interesting about this is a lot of girls young girls transition to boys to de-sexualize themselves. They see an overly sexualized objectifying of women's bodies world and they don't want anything to do with it. Or maybe they feel like they don't, um, they're not uh, beautiful enough and they just don't want to play the game. So they think that if they could just become a boy, then that will all go away. And a lot of men are the opposite. Their goal is to be desired in some way. And they think that transitioning to a woman will bring them, some sort of sexual, uh, like, like people will find them attractive or desirable and then that will make them loved. And I mean, it's, he said it right there. Like that's, that's it. And this is all just chaos. That's, that's the theme of all this is just chaos. Hmm. All right, let's get to some history and Bible here. The word homosexual is a modern invention. Isn't that interesting? It was first used uh, in 1869. I found this article, livius.org. In ancient Greece, there was not a word to describe homosexual practices. They were simply part of aphrodisia, love. I've read a, a, a decent amount about ancient Greek people's view on homosexuality, and I get a lot of conflicting reports. I don't know what to do with it know it's very hard to tell exactly what is the cultural norms of a society from thousands of years ago based on looking at drawings on a pot, for instance, right? But it seems like there's some sort of coming together, of this idea that there was no concept of homosexuality. It was just this very animalistic, have sex with whatever, man, woman, animal, this, you feel it, you do it. And it wasn't a part of your identity. So your sexual acts were whatever you felt like doing, which is kind of like today, but it wasn't then your identity. Like I am, that wasn't a thing back in ancient Greece, but it is a thing. Now in the Christian era, there's been a distinction between affections. This is something we're actually talking about in the morning motivation this week, affections and passions. The great, Theologian Jonathan Edwards. He wrote a book called Religious Affections. Let me quote this from John Rigney. He does a good job of uh, breaking down the difference. Understanding what Edwards means by affections requires understanding a bit about his view of humanity. As a human being, you are made up of a body and a soul. Your body has five senses by which you take in impressions from the external world. Your soul has two fundamental faculties or powers. The first is the understanding. It's the faculty by which you perceive, discern, view, and judge. It tells you what something is. The second faculty is the will by which you like or dislike, love or hate, approve or reject, what you perceive with your understanding. Right? So your body, your senses, take it in. Your first, then the next level is understanding. So we, we perceive, discern, view, right? And then the next level, Is uh, you you, like judge, like, don't like, love, hate, approve, reject. So if you go to a football game, it is by your means of your understanding. Well, so it's your physical body that sees the game. Then it's your next level, your your understanding that you identify the team in purple and gold as the Vikings and the team in green is yellow as the Packers. But it's by means of your will that you shout and cheer for the Vikings and boo and hiss at the Packers. Crucially, it's the inclination of the will that governs our actions. Now, some inclinations of the will are mild and minor. They barely register at all, like choosing what socks to wear today. But other inclinations of the will are vigorous, persistent, and lively, like choosing Mm -hmm. whom you're going to marry. Only the latter are are termed affections. They are the more vigorous and sensible exercises of the will. Why are affections so important? Affections are often the spring of man's actions. They make the world go round. Without lively affections, few of us would do much of anything. What animates our actions is our loves and hates, our fears and desires, our griefs and joys. More importantly, affections reveal the fundamental orientation of the heart. When you see what a person loves or hates, fears, desires, rejoices, and and grieves over, you're seeing the bent and tendency of his heart. So if we want to know what kind of heart we have, we need to look to our affections. Does that make sense? Is there something so you can have... Proper affections or disordered affections. Affections are rooted in the soul, in the heart. Um, It's an inclination of will. Emotions are fleeting surface caused by external things, right? So your affections are internal. They're internal come out and emotions are external and they kind of come in, right? Like something happens and then they cause you to feel a thing, right? And so they come from different... Places Now, our Western tradition has always said that our lower appetites, emotions, have to be constrained by reason. And also the grace of God, of course, working within us. Now, here's the key term. This is it. Total depravity. This is the premise that all of our passions are misleading. All of our emotions are misleading. They're not reliable. It's the idea that this is what I feel like, so this is what I'm going to do. And if you tell me I can't, then I'm going to want to do it even more. And and I need to be me. And if you tell me I can't, you're attacking my identity and my personhood. Right? But that's how Christianity Christianity is about not following those base emotions. It's about rightly ordering your affections. This is what Paul's talking about in Philippians 4:8. Brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Think about these things get your affections rightly ordered but our modern culture today says whatever fleeting emotion you have that's fine just go on that (laughs) let's go to the bible Uh, a great story about self-control and not becoming a slave to your passion esau so esau was the oldest son he had the birthright when dad passes away and he went out for uh, to go hunting came back and he was hungry. So let me read it here. Genesis 25, starting with 29. Once when Jacob, the younger brother, was uh, cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. So a couple things here. Uh, I read someone say that it is depicted in the Hebrew like Esau is an animal. He can't control himself. Uh, he says, uh, let me eat some of that red stew. Uh, some translation call it red stuff. But in the Hebrew, it's written twice. A-D-O-M. I don't know how to pronounce it, but Adam, Adam. He says it twice. He's like, give me, give it to me, give it to you. I need it. I need it. He's salivating. He's starving. He's dying here, but he's not really dying. He's dying like a kid uh, has lunch and then a snack in the car and then, st- oh, I'm so hungry, I'm starving. Like it's that kind of starving. Esau was being dramatic, emotional, impulsive. He was defining himself by his fleeting emotions in the moment. He was like an animal, a complete slave to his desires and therefore made very bad decisions. Let me quote this Bible commentary from uh, Dr. Barnhouse early 1900s. He said, history shows that men prefer allusions to realities. They choose time rather than eternity and the pleasures of sin for a season rather than the joys of God forever. Men will read trash rather than the word of God and adhere to a system of priorities that leaves God out of their lives. Multitudes of men spend more time shaving than on their souls. And multitudes of women give mere, more minutes to their makeup than to the life of their eternal spirit. Men still sell their birthright for a mess of pottage. Same sentiment here, but this is from Thomas Adams. This would be late 1500s. He was called the Shakespeare of the Puritans. He said, and what, oh, you out- esau lights!" That's you, you're an esau light, Worldlings are momentary delights compared to eternity. What is a mess of gruel? to the supper of glory. The belly is pleased, yes, but the soul is lost. Never was any meat except the forbidden fruit so dearly bought as this broth of Jacob. The great hymnist John Newton, he said, Too often, dear Savior, have I preferred some poor trifle to thee. How is it that thou dost not deny the blessing and birthright to me? No better than Esau I am Though pardon and heaven be mine, to me belongs nothing but shame, the praise and the glory be thine. Instead of being slaves to our emotions, instead of letting our emotions drive the ship, which is what our entire culture is doing and telling young kids to do as well, we need to be slaves, no question, but not to our emotions. We need to become slaves to Jesus. Paul refers to himself as a doulos to Jesus, and it's often translated as servant or bond servant. It's slave. You are a slave to Christ. And then you won't be a slave to your desires because you can't serve two masters. So what do we do, Cider? What's in my control? First, I want to tell you about Patriot Gold Group. Grateful to Patriot Gold Group for sponsoring this podcast, being with uh, me for many years and believing in what we stand for here. Uh, when we talk about eternity and eternal things, that's what matters the most. There's no question. I believe we're also called to be good stewards here and now on this earth. Lots of decisions can be made about money. I have made many, uh, okay decisions. I've made many very bad decisions doing the best I can. When I feel bad about financial decisions I've made that turned out not to be good ones. uh, The best piece of advice I got was, well, did you make the best decision you could in the moment? And I think almost every time that was true. See if gold is one of those decisions that you should make for your family, knowing everything we know now and, and doing the best we can to see where we're headed economically. And you're not alone in thinking things are bad at so this poll. I saw was like 23% of uh, Americans think Joe Biden's doing a good job on the economy. Like 20, like who, who is, who is the 23 <laughs> things are bad. Gold may be a proper hedge for you. Call for a free investor guide today. one 617 6122 To me, it's just about being a good steward. Eight, listen, this is not your eternity. <laughs> this won't save souls, but uh, you have a family to provide for. So let's make some good decisions. 888-617-6122 or patriotgoldgroup.com. So what's in my control? If you have little kids, you're going to see rainbows all over the place. So my kids are uh, seven months, three, five, and six. So they don't know what gay means. They're not in public school to them, to us, to our family, the rainbow means God won't destroy the world in a flood again. We need to reclaim the rainbow. If you see rainbow flags everywhere, depending on the age, of course, if they ask any questions, tell them it's about the Bible. Here it is. It's Genesis 9, 12. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my my bow in the cloud and it shall be as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and and the bow, rainbow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature and all the flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the rainbow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature and all flesh that is in the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. And isn't that amazing that the bank has rainbows all over it, son, <laughs> if they're old enough to know that this rainbow has been taken over, remind them of the story about how people disobeyed God and God destroyed them all except for the one righteous man, blameless in his generation. God saved his life and his family, but even he wasn't perfect, which is why all of us need Jesus today. Just remind him of the true story. You control the narrative in your home. Stop sending your money to these places. Stop going to these places. Stop watching these TV shows. I'm not calling for a boycott. A boycott implies, oh, I really want to go to this store, but (sighs) no, I just won't. I, I Maybe, no, 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 it's, it's a boycott. No, we, we need to not even want to go. I'm calling for a total rearrangement of priorities in our lives so that we don't even desire to do these things anymore. Romans 12:1, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Here it is. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what's in your control? Everything in your home and the stories you tell so that your kids know what is true. Final thought to think about, 1 John 2:15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ooh. For all that is in the world, The desires of the flesh, mm, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. I just mentioned boycotts, Public Square app. Public Square app will make you not even miss the things you're boycotting, right? It's just a, it's like a new way of life, right? Like, I don't even think of those things anymore. This is an app that has put together all the p- businesses in the country that share your values. Good, God-fearing, Christian, biblically-minded, conservative-focused business owners. They exist. Start small, download, it's totally free. Hit near me, restaurants, boom. And you can find the restaurants that are near you that, uh, that, that, that you guys are on the same team. And spend your money there instead. And then you can broaden out. Coffee, banks. I'm just, I'm looking at my house right now. Here's a James Hood Guitar Repair. There's Next Step Service Dogs. That's cool. Mike's Barbecue. Love them. They're down the street from me. Uh, it's everything. Harvest House Cafe. There's a coffee shop. I'm not going to go Starbucks anymore. Why would I go Starbucks? Not only support local businesses, but you support good people. Public Square. Totally free app in the app store. Just download it and uh, you can read the values that everyone has to sign on to if you want to be featured in the app, publicsq.com.